chapter three part two of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three part two establishment of the society of the cincinnati of which he is elected president this idea was suggested by general knox and was matured in a meeting composed of the generals and of deputies from the regiments at which major-general the baron steuben presided an agreement was then entered into by which the officers were to constitute themselves into one society of friends to endure as long as they should endure or any of their eldest male posterity and in failure thereof any collateral branches who might be judged worthy of becoming its supporters and members were to be admitted into it to mark their veneration for that celebrated roman between whose situation and their own they found some similitude they were to be denominated the society of the cincinnati individuals of the respective states distinguished for their patriotism and abilities might be admitted as honorary members for life provided their members should at no time exceed a ratio of one to four the society was to be designated by a medal of gold representing the american eagle bearing on its breast the devices of the order which was to be suspended by a ribbon of deep blue edged with white descriptive of the union of america and france to the ministers who had represented his most christian majesty at philadelphia to the admirals who had commanded in the american seas to the comte de rochambeau and the generals and colonels of the french troops who had served in the united states the insignia of the order were to be presented and they were to be invited to consider themselves as members of the society at the head of which the commander-in-chief was respectfully solicited to place his name an incessant attention on the part of the members to the preservation of the exalted rights and liberties of human nature for which they had fought and bled and an unalterable determination to promote and cherish between the respective states union and national honor were declared to be the immutable principles of the society its objects were to perpetuate the remembrance of the american revolution as well as cordial affection and the spirit of brotherly kindness among the officers and to extend acts of beneficence to those officers and their families whose situation might require assistance to give effect to the charitable object of the institution a common fund was to be created by the deposit of one month's pay on the part of every officer becoming a member the product of which fund after defraying certain necessary charges was to be sacredly appropriated to this humane purpose the military gentlemen of each state were to constitute a distinct society deputies from which were to assemble triennially in order to form a general meeting for the regulation of general concerns without encountering any open opposition this institution was carried into complete effect and its honors were sought especially by the foreign officers with great avidity but soon after it was organized those jealousies which in its first moments had been concealed burst forth into open view in october seventeen eighty three a pamphlet was published by mr burke of south carolina for the purpose of rousing the apprehensions of the public and of directing its resentments against the society perceiving or believing that he perceived in the cincinnati the foundation of an hereditary order whose base 
from associating with the military the chiefs of the powerful families in each state would acquire a degree of solidity and strength admitting of any superstructure he portrayed in the fervid and infectious language of passion the dangers to result from the fabric which would be erected on it the ministers of the united states too in europe and the political theorists who cast their eyes towards the west for support to favourite systems having the privileged orders constantly in view were loud in their condemnations of an institution from which a race of nobles was expected to spring the alarm was spread throughout every state and a high degree of jealousy pervaded the mass of the people in massachusetts the subject was even taken up by the legislature and it was well understood that in congress the society was viewed with secret disapprobation it was impossible for general washington to view with indifference this state of the public feeling bound to the officers of his army by the strictest ties of esteem and affection conscious of their merits and assured of their attachment to his person he was alive to everything which might affect their reputation or their interests however innocent the institution might be in itself or however laudable its real objects if the impression it made on the public mind was such as to draw a line of distinction between the military men of america and their fellow-citizens he was earnest in his wishes to adopt such measures as would efface that impression however ill-founded the public prejudices might be he thought this a case in which they ought to be respected and if it should be found impracticable to convince the people that their fears were misplaced he was disposed to yield to them in a degree and not to suffer that which was intended for the best of purposes to produce a bad one a general meeting was to be held in philadelphia in may seventeen eighty four and in the meantime he had been appointed the temporary president to prepare the officers for those fundamental changes in the principles of the society which he contemplated as a necessary sacrifice to the public apprehensions his ideas were suggested to his military correspondents and to give weight to the measures which might be recommended his utmost influence was exerted to obtain a full assemblage of deputies which should be respectable for its numbers and for its wisdom officers of high respectability entertained different opinions on surrendering those parts of the institution which were deemed objectionable by some the public clamour was attributed to a spirit of persecution which only attached them more closely to the order many it was said were in quest of a cause of quarrel with their late protectors and the removal of one ground of accusation against them would only induce the substitution of some other the source of the uneasiness which had been manifested was to be found in the temper of the people not in the matters of which they complained and if the present cause of irritation was removed their ill-humour would be openly and avowedly directed against the commutation general washington was too much in the habit of considering subjects of difficulty in various points of view and of deciding on them with coolness and deliberation to permit his affections to influence his judgment the most exact inquiries assiduously made into the true state of the public mind resulted in a conviction that opinions unfriendly to the institution in its actual form were extensively entertained and that those opinions were founded not in hostility to the late army but in real apprehensions for equal liberty a wise and necessary policy required he thought the removal of these apprehensions and at the general meeting in may the hereditary principle and the power of adopting honorary members were relinquished the result demonstrated the propriety of this alteration although a few who always perceive most danger where none exists 
and the visionaries then abounding in europe continued their prophetic denunciations against the order america dismissed her fears and notwithstanding the refusal of one or two of the state societies to adopt the measures recommended by the general meeting the members of the cincinnati were received as brethren into the bosom of their country the causes which led to a change of the government of the united states while general washington thus devoted a great part of his time to rural pursuits to the duties of friendship and to institutions of public utility the political state of his country becoming daily more embarrassed attracted more and more deeply the anxious solicitude of every enlightened and virtuous patriot from peace from independence and from governments of their own choice the united states had confidently anticipated every blessing the glorious termination of their contest with one of the most powerful nations of the earth the steady and persevering courage with which that contest had been maintained and the unyielding firmness with which the privations attending it had been supported had surrounded the infant republics with a great degree of splendor and had bestowed upon them a character which could be preserved only by a national and dignified system of conduct a very short time was sufficient to demonstrate that something not yet possessed was requisite to ensure the public and private prosperity expected to flow from self-government after a short struggle so to administer the existing system as to make it competent to the great objects for which it was instituted the effort became apparently desperate and american affairs were impelled rapidly to a crisis on which the continuance of the united states as a nation appeared to depend in tracing the causes which led to this interesting state of things it will be necessary to carry back our attention to the conclusion of the war a government authorized to declare war but relying on independent states for the means of prosecuting it capable of contracting debts and of pledging the public faith for their payment but depending on thirteen distinct sovereignties for the preservation of that faith could not be rescued from ignominy and contempt but by finding those sovereignties administered by men exempt from the passions incident to human nature the debts of the union were computed on the first of january seventeen eighty three at somewhat more than forty millions of dollars if say congress in an address to the states urging that the means of payment should be placed in their hands other motives than that of justice could be requisite on this occasion no nation could ever feel stronger for to whom are the debts to be paid to an ally in the first place who to the exertion of his arms in support of our cause has added the succors of his treasure who to his important loans has added liberal donations and whose loans themselves carry the impression of his magnanimity and friendship to individuals in a foreign country in the next place who were the first to give so precious a token of their confidence in our justice and of their friendship for our cause and who are members of a republic which was second in espousing our rank among nations another class of creditors is that illustrious and patriotic band of fellow-citizens whose blood and whose bravery have defended the liberties of their country who have patiently borne among other distresses the privation of their stipends whilst the distresses of their country disabled it from bestowing them and who even now ask for no more than such a portion of their dues as will enable them to retire from the field of victory and glory into the bosom of peace and private citizenship and for such effectual security for the residue of their claims as their country is now unquestionably able to provide the remaining class of creditors is composed partly of such of our fellow-citizens 
as originally lent to the public the use of their funds or have since manifested most confidence in their country by receiving transfers from the lenders and partly of those whose property has been either advanced or assumed for the public service to discriminate the merits of these several descriptions of creditors would be a task equally unnecessary and invidious if the voice of humanity plead more loudly in favour of some than of others the voice of policy no less than of justice pleads in favour of all a wise nation will never permit those who relieve the wants of their country or who rely most on its faith its firmness and its resources when either of them is distrusted to suffer by the event in a government constituted like that of the united states it would readily be expected that great contrariety of sentiment would prevail respecting the principles on which its affairs should be conducted it has been already stated that the continent was divided into two great political parties the one of which contemplated america as a nation and labored incessantly to invest the federal head with powers competent to the preservation of the union the other attached itself to the state government viewed all the powers of congress with jealousy and assented reluctantly to measures which would enable the head to act in any respect independently of the members men of enlarged and liberal minds who in the imbecility of a general government by which alone the capacities of the nation could be efficaciously exerted could discern the imbecility of the nation itself who viewing the situation of the world could perceive the dangers to which these young republics were exposed if not held together by a cement capable of preserving a beneficial connection who felt the full value of national honour and the full obligation of national faith and who were persuaded of the insecurity of both if resting for their preservation on the concurrence of thirteen distinct sovereigns arranged themselves generally in the first party the officers of the army whose local prejudices had been weakened by associating with each other and whose experience had furnished lessons on the inefficiency of requisitions which were not soon to be forgotten threw their weight almost universally into the same scale the other party if not more intelligent was more numerous and more powerful it was sustained by prejudices and feelings which grew without effort and gained strength from the intimate connections subsisting between a state and its citizens it required a concurrence of extrinsic circumstances to force on minds unwilling to receive the demonstration a conviction of the necessity of an effective national government and to give even a temporary ascendancy to that party which had long foreseen and deplored the crisis to which the affairs of the united states were hastening sensible that the character of the government would be decided in a considerable degree by the measures which should immediately follow the treaty of peace gentlemen of the first political abilities and integrity sought a place in the congress of seventeen eighty three combining their efforts for the establishment of principles on which the honour and the interest of the nation were believed to depend they exerted all their talents to impress on the several states the necessity of conferring on the government of the union powers which might be competent to its preservation and which would enable it to comply with the engagements it had formed with unwearied perseverance they digested and obtained the assent of congress to a system which though unequal to what their wishes would have prepared or their judgments have approved was believed to be the best that was attainable the great object in view was to restore and support public credit to effect which it was necessary to obtain from the state substantial funds for funding the whole debt of the united states 
the committee to whom this interesting subject was referred reported sundry resolutions recommending it to the several states to vest in congress permanent and productive funds adequate to the immediate payment of the interest on the national debt and to the gradual extinction of the principal a change in the rule by which the proportions of the different states were to be ascertained was also recommended in lieu of that article of the confederation which apportions on them the sums required for the public treasury according to the value of their located lands with the improvements thereon it was proposed to substitute another more capable of execution which should make the population of each state the measure of its contribution to the application which congress had made during the war for power to levy an impost of five per cent on imported and prized goods one state had never assented and another had withdrawn the assent it had previously given it was impossible to yield to some of the objections which had been made to this measure because they went to the certain destruction of the system itself but in points where the alterations demanded though mischievous were not fatal to the plan it was thought advisable to accommodate the recommendations of the government to the prejudices which had been disclosed it had been insisted that the power of appointing persons to collect the duties would enable congress to introduce into a state officers unknown and unaccountable to the government thereof and that a power to collect an indefinite sum for an indefinite time for the expenditure of which that body could not be accountable to the states would render it independent of its constituents and would be dangerous to liberty to obviate these objections the proposition now made was so modified that the grant was to be limited to twenty-five years was to be strictly appropriated to the debt contracted on account of the war and was to be collected by persons to be appointed by the respective states after a debate which the tedious mode of conducting business protracted for several weeks the report was adopted and a committee consisting of mr madison mr hamilton and mr ellsworth was appointed to prepare an address which should accompany the recommendation to the several states after a full explanation of the principles on which the system had been framed this address proceeds the plan thus communicated and explained by congress must now receive its fate from their constituents all the objects comprised in it are conceived to be of great importance to the happiness of this confederated republic are necessary to render the fruits of the revolution a full reward for the blood the toils the cares and the calamities which have purchased it but the object of which the necessity will be peculiarly felt and which it is peculiarly the duty of congress to inculcate is the provision recommended for the national debt although this debt is greater than could have been wished it is still less on the whole than could have been expected and when referred to the cause in which it has been incurred and compared with the burthens which wars of ambition and of vain glory have entailed on other nations ought to be borne not only with cheerfulness but with pride but the magnitude of the debt makes no part of the question it is sufficient that the debt has been fairly contracted and that justice and good faith demand that it should be fully discharged congress had no option but between different modes of discharging it the same option is the only one that can exist with the states the mode which has after long and elaborate discussion been preferred is we are persuaded the least objectionable of any that would have been equal to the purpose under this persuasion we call upon the justice and plighted faith of the several states to give it its proper effect to reflect on the consequences of rejecting it and to remember that congress will not be answerable for them 
after expatiating on the merits of the several creditors the report concludes let it be remembered finally that it ever has been the pride and boast of america that the rights for which she contended were the rights of human nature by the blessing of the author of these rights on the means exerted for their defence they have prevailed against all opposition and formed the basis of thirteen independent states no instance has heretofore occurred nor can any instance be expected hereafter to occur in which the unadulterated forms of republican government can pretend to so fair an opportunity of justifying themselves by their fruits in this view the citizens of the united states are responsible for the greatest trust ever confided to a political society if justice good faith honor gratitude and all the other good qualities which ennoble the character of a nation and fulfil the ends of government be the fruits of our establishments the cause of liberty will acquire a dignity and lustre which it has never yet enjoyed and an example will be set which cannot but have the most favourable influence on the rights of mankind if on the other side our government should be unfortunately blotted with the reverse of these cardinal and essential virtues the great cause which we have engaged to vindicate will be dishonoured and betrayed the last and fairest experiment in favour of the rights of human nature will be turned against them and their patrons and friends exposed to be insulted and silenced by the votaries of tyranny and usurpation for the complete success of the plan recommended by congress no person felt more anxious solicitude than general washington of the vital importance of union no man could be more entirely persuaded and of the obligations of the government to his creditors no man could feel a stronger conviction his conspicuous station had rendered him peculiarly sensible to their claims and he had unavoidably been personally instrumental in the creation of a part of them all the feelings of his heart were deeply engaged in the payment of some of the creditors and that high sense of national honour of national justice and of national faith of which elevated minds endowed with integrity can never be divested impelled him to take a strong interest in the security of all availing himself of the usage of communicating on national subjects with the state governments and of the opportunity which his approaching resignation of the command of the army gave impressively to convey his sentiments to them he had determined to employ all the influence which the circumstances of his life had created in a solemn recommendation of measures on which he believed the happiness and prosperity of his country to depend on the eighth of june seventeen eighty three he addressed to the governors of the several states respectively the paternal and affectionate letter which follows letters of general washington to the governors of the several states sir the great object for which i had the honour to hold an appointment in the service of my country being accomplished i am now preparing to resign it into the hands of congress and to return to that domestic retirement which it is well known i left with the greatest reluctance a retirement for which i have never ceased to sigh through a long and painful absence and in which remote from the noise and trouble of the world i meditate to pass the remainder of life in a state of undisturbed repose but before i carry this resolution into effect i think it a duty incumbent upon me to make this my last official communication to congratulate you on the glorious events which heaven has been pleased to produce in our favour to offer my sentiments respecting some important subjects which appear to me to be intimately connected with the tranquillity of the united states to take my leave of your excellency as a public character and to give my final blessing to that country in whose service i have spent the prime of my life for whose sake i have consumed so many anxious days and watchful nights and whose happiness being extremely dear to me will always constitute no inconsiderable part of my own 
impressed with the liveliest sensibility on this pleasing occasion i will claim the indulgence of dilating the more copiously on the subjects of our mutual felicitation when we consider the magnitude of the prize we contended for the doubtful nature of the contest and the favourable manner in which it has terminated we shall find the greatest possible reason for gratitude and rejoicing this is a theme that will afford infinite delight to every benevolent and liberal mind whether the event in contemplation be considered as the source of present enjoyment or the parent of future happiness and we shall have equal occasion to felicitate ourselves on the lot which providence has assigned us whether we view it in a natural a political or moral point of light the citizens of america placed in the most enviable condition as the sole lords and proprietors of a vast tract of continent comprehending all the various soils and climates of the world and abounding with all the necessaries and conveniencies of life are now by the late satisfactory pacification acknowledged to be possessed of absolute freedom and independency they are from this period to be considered as the actors on a most conspicuous theatre which seems to be peculiarly designated by providence for the display of human greatness and felicity here they are not only surrounded with everything which can contribute to the completion of private and domestic enjoyment but heaven has crowned all its other blessings by giving a fairer opportunity for political happiness than any other nation has ever been favoured with nothing can illustrate these observations more forcibly than a recollection of the happy conjuncture of times and circumstances under which our republic assumed its rank among the nations the foundation of our empire was not laid in the gloomy age of ignorance and superstition but at an epoch when the rights of mankind were better understood and more clearly defined than at any former period the researches of the human mind after social happiness have been carried to a great extent the treasures of knowledge acquired by the labours of philosophers sages and legislators through a long succession of years are laid open for our use and their collected wisdom may be happily employed in the establishment of our forms of government the free cultivation of letters the unbounded extension of commerce the progressive refinement of manners the growing liberality of sentiment and above all the pure and benign light of revelation have had a meliorating influence on mankind and increased the blessings of society at this auspicious period the united states came into existence as a nation and if their citizens should not be completely free and happy the fault will be entirely their own such is our situation and such are our prospects but notwithstanding the cup of blessing is thus reached out to us notwithstanding happiness is ours if we have a disposition to seize the occasion and make it our own yet it appears to me there is an option still left to the united states of america that it is in their choice and depends upon their conduct whether they will be respectable and prosperous or contemptible and miserable as a nation this is the time of their political probation this is the moment when the eyes of the whole world are turned upon them this is the moment to establish or ruin their national character for ever this is the favourable moment to give such a tone to our federal government as will enable it to answer the ends of its institution or this may be the ill-fated moment for relaxing the powers of the union annihilating the cement of the confederation and exposing us to become the sport of european politics which may play one state against another to prevent their growing importance and to serve their own interested purposes for according to the system of policy the state shall adopt at this moment they will stand or fall and by their confirmation or lapse it is yet to be decided whether the revolution must ultimately be considered a blessing or a curse a blessing or a curse not to the present age alone 
for with our fate will the destiny of unborn millions be involved with this conviction of the importance of the present crisis silence in me would be a crime i will therefore speak to your excellency the language of freedom and of sincerity without disguise i am aware however that those who differ from me in political sentiment may perhaps remark that i am stepping out of the proper line of my duty and may possibly ascribe to arrogance or ostentation what i know is alone the result of the purest intentions but the rectitude of my own heart which disdains such unworthy motives the part i have hitherto acted in life the determination i have formed of not taking any share in public business hereafter the ardent desire i feel and shall continue to manifest of quietly enjoying in private life after all the toils of war the benefits of a wise and liberal government will i flatter myself sooner or later convince my countrymen that i could have no sinister views in delivering with so little reserve the opinions contained in this address there are four things which i humbly conceive are essential to the well-being i may even venture to say to the existence of the united states as an independent power first an indissoluble union of the states under one federal head second a sacred regard to public justice third the adoption of a proper peace establishment and fourth the prevalence of that pacific and friendly disposition among the people of the united states which will induce them to forget their local prejudices and politics to make those mutual concessions which are requisite to the general prosperity and in some instances to sacrifice their individual advantages to the interest of the community these are the pillars on which the glorious fabric of our independency and national character must be supported liberty is the basis and whoever would dare to sap the foundation or overturn the structure under whatever specious pretext he may attempt it will merit the bitterest execration and the severest punishment which can be inflicted by his injured country on the three first articles i will make a few observations leaving the last to the good sense and serious consideration of those immediately concerned End of chapter three part two